In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Amen. Excited to be here this morning. How about you? Amen. Well, we're going to continue our series that we started uh, here for the month of January. It's called Cross-Eyed. It's on having a correct perception of the finished work of Jesus. <laughs> we got the same shoes on. <laughs> What's in the head flows down into the body. <laughs> we didn't plan it, but it, it happened. <laughs> But we're, uh, this is, yeah, that's good. Where was I? (laughs) No, we are sharing on, uh, really it's about removing the obscurity of the cross from our view. And uh, many of us don't have a clear perception of the finished work of Jesus. And that's what we're talking about. When we talk about having a clear perspective of the cross, we're actually talking about the entire finished work of Jesus from the cross to the throne. How many of you know Jesus came? He died on the cross. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. And he ascended to heaven and he is seated at the right hand of God. Amen. Amen. And you'd say, well, good for Jesus. But the good news about it is that he came and identified with us. And so his work was done for us vicariously. That's why Paul says that you who were dead in your trespasses, he has made alive together with Christ, raised us up together with him, and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God sees the work of Jesus the same as if it were we were a part of it. And so many of us, we have an obscured vision of the finished work of Jesus. And what that does is it causes us to go about trying to improve upon that which God perfected in Christ. I'm going to say that again. Many believers are trying to improve upon that which Christ perfected. His work is not only finished, it was perfect. There's nothing that we can add to it, nor is there anything we need to add to it. What we need is we need to have, allow the Holy Spirit to give us revelation, knowledge to where we clearly and concisely understand Everything that Jesus accomplished through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and the seating of Christ. You know, when we talk about the seating of Christ, that place at the right hand of the throne of God is the place of executive authority. There is no place higher. And in the first chapter of Ephesians, it makes me think of where Paul says that he raised him up far above every principality and power, might, and dominion. Far above. Far above every enemy of God. And we were raised with him. So that means that we've been seated far above every principality, every power, every might, every dominion. 
everything that came into uh, the experience of man through Adam's sin, Christ has redeemed us from. Not just sin. He's redeemed us from sin. But he redeemed us from sin and death. What is death? Death is the results. Death is the results of what sin brought into the human experience. And Christ redeemed us from all of it. That means every sickness, every disease, every disorder, every addiction, everything negative that came into the human experience through Adam. Because the Bible says in Romans 5 that through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And so Jesus came and he dealt with sin. And when he dealt with sin, he dealt with death. You say, well, why are we still experiencing death? Why are we still experiencing the effects? Because we still have the cross obscured from our vision. We, by faith, we perceive the finished work of Jesus. And only by perceiving his finished work can we partake of it. But we've actually been made partakers of the divine nature. That's what Peter reveals what, that mean, what does that mean? It means we can partake of the very life and nature of God. Oh, man. That's awesome. It's the life and nature of God that drives sickness out of a human body. It's the life and nature of God on the inside of you that breaks the bonds of addiction. It's the life and the nature of God that fixes disorders and causes us to function the way that God created us to function. And I believe from my uh, study of the scriptures that the number one way that the cross is obscured from our sight is through legalism, which means our attempt to improve upon what God perfected in Christ. We can't improve upon it. All we can do is grow in our understanding of it. We can't improve upon it. There's nothing. In fact, it's arrogant for us to think that there's anything that we could do that would add to what Christ has done. It should bring us to a place of humility. It should bring us to a place of humility to realize that, um, that God knew that he had to do a perfect work because we were incapable of adding anything to it. <laughs> You know, so I want to look at um, Galatians chapter 3 again. I'm going to kind of review. These are the things I talked about last time. I, I pray that I can move past where I got last time. <laughs> Let me just say this also about legalism. I shared this with you last time. That legalism is to attempt to either attain or maintain the righteousness of God by our performance, by either our keeping of God's law or keeping of some law that we've put upon ourselves. Listen, we've done a lot of that. We've, we've made laws uh, of things that God never made a law. You know, I'll just say this. We've made a law. We've made laws about Bible reading and about prayer. When Bible reading and prayer are privileges, 
They're not demands that God has made of us. He has blessed us with the eternal word of God and through Christ invited us into fellowship with the God who was, who is, and is to come. And we see that as a burden. Well, we've been invited into the uh, into the conversation of the ages. We've been invited into conversation with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we think it's a burden to talk to him. We think it's a burden to read the eternal word of God that gives us the ability to perceive things that are unseen, but that are realities to us. Well, the only reason we would see it that way is that something has messed up our perspective in regard to these things. We've made laws about it. We've turned these things into things that God is demanding of us rather than inviting us into. And so we're not really fascinated with the gospel. Oh, man. We should be fascinated with the gospel. It is the good news. In fact, if you look at the word gospel in the Greek, it means almost too good to be true news. The only reason it's not almost, the only reason it's not too good to be true is because it is true. (laughs) Man, we need to change our perspective. You know, they were singing about the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's not the judgment of God. It's the goodness of God. What is repentance? Changing the way you think. And the first place we change the way we think is in our perspective of God. His goodness revealed to us causes us to change our perception of him. And then it in turn changes our perspective of ourselves. Which then in turn changes the way that we act in our lives. The choices that we make. But legalism is whenever I try to either attain to the righteousness of God. By my performance. And most believers wouldn't approach that. You know, most believers don't have an issue with that. Oh, you remember the song, Just As I Am, Without One Plea. You know, we know that. We know that when we come to Jesus, we come to the cross, we don't have anything to offer for salvation. But it's the trying to maintain righteousness by our performance that trips us up is that we try to qualify ourselves to partake of the divine nature. We try to qualify ourselves to partake of healing. We try to qualify ourselves to partake of prosperity. We try to qualify ourselves. What do I mean by that? We add what we're doing to what Jesus did. And it's much like adding water to acid. You dilute the effectiveness of it. In fact, in the book of Galatians, which is what we're studying in my part of the series, what we find out is that Paul absolutely is livid. He rebukes the church with the hardest correction that he gave to any church in all of his letters. And the reason why was because they had embraced a mixture of law of grace with law. See, legalism isn't a departure from grace. Legalism is a mixture of grace with law. Man. And most of us have that in our belief system. 
And without getting ahead of myself too much, in Galatians 4, you know, he gives a, uh, a, an, an allegory of Abraham's two sons. And one of them was born of a slave woman, Hagar. Remember whenever God had promised them they would have a son, him and Sarah? And they got impatient waiting for the promise of God to come to pass. How many can identify with that? They got impatient waiting for God to perform that which he had promised. So they went about trying to do it themselves. So she had this great idea, uh, you know, go into Hagar and have a son by her. And Abraham didn't even argue with her about it. He just, well, that sounds good to me. <laughs> but you know, they produced something that has been an issue ever since. They produced a nation of people that actually became an enemy to the people of God. But the son of performance was Ishmael. And man, he, Paul says these two women... Sarah and Hagar, they represent two covenants. First covenant is represented in Hagar, who was a slave. And the old covenant births children into slavery, is what he says. But the new covenant births children into freedom. The sons of promise are those who have been birthed into freedom by the new covenant, which is all about what Jesus did for us, independent of any participation on our part. And you know what he says? He goes on and he says, what does the scripture say? He said, the scripture says, cast out the slave woman and her son. Cast them out. What's he talking about? If you actually go back and read that story, it doesn't say, Sarah who represents grace, said, cast them out. Because the son of performance will not partake of the inheritance with the son of promise. Man, there's a lot there. You can't partake of the inheritance as long as you're operating as a son of performance. Because the law makes you a slave. It doesn't allow you to partake of your inheritance. And so, we, man, we got a lot to learn. We have to cast out the mocking voice of legalism from our life because it steals away our confidence before God. And faith is confidence. It's assurance that what God has said is truth. So in Galatians 3 and 1, the Apostle Paul says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? What truth is he talking about? He's talking about the truth of the revelation of the gospel, which is that we are made justified and righteous in the sight of God by faith without works. Who has betrayed you or who has bewitched you? Means who's cast an evil spell over you? You know, I talked about last time that uh, demonic, it, that Legalism is a construct of the devil. And why would anybody, um, why would anybody give, let's see here, turn from the free gift of righteousness to go about trying to produce some righteousness of their own? 
you'd have to be deceived by demonic influence. In fact, it is the spirit of religion that causes people to embrace this idea of trying to perform in order to receive from God. It is. Because what better way for the enemy to put the people of God in bondage than to trick them into thinking that they're operating in holiness by embracing the law, thereby putting themselves in bondage and under the curse so that he has free access to their life. Man, what a deceptive, what a deceptive trick. So he says uh, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. See, they weren't there when Jesus was hung on the cross. They didn't see it with their physical eyes. But Paul's preaching so clearly and concisely communicated the truths of the gospel that they were able to see it in their heart. Man. Let me read it in the Passion Translation. He says, What has happened to you, Galatians, to be acting so foolishly? You must have been under some evil spell. Didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Wasn't he revealed to you as the crucified one? See, that's the whole key. It's the meaning of it. See, When you get involved in embracing legalistic ideologies, it obscures your vision from understanding the full meaning of the crucifixion of Jesus. And I told, I shared with you last week, I'm not going to go over it again, but the three dimensional revelation of the cross. First, Jesus died for us. Most people understand that. Number two, Jesus died as us. His death was vicarious. He wasn't up there for any sin of his own. He was an innocent man. But the just died for the unjust. God imputed our trespasses on Jesus while he was on the cross. Which is why, as Pastor shared with us, the type of the serpent on the pole represented Jesus because he became sin for us while he was on the cross. Before the cross, he was the lamb of God, spotless, unblemished. But once he got put on the cross, God imputed our trespasses. In fact, the trespasses of all mankind for all time were placed upon Jesus and he became the serpent on the pole. He came up, he, the curse came upon him in our place. And then the third dimension is that we were crucified with him. You have to understand that. Paul said, uh, I, was, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. You got to understand that. I was crucified with him. In fact, I am crucified with Christ. Yeah. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I Man, we have to lose ourselves in him. When you lose yourself in him, you'll actually find who God truly created you to be. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. My life, I live it by the faith of Jesus. What does that mean? It means that I have so identified with his work on the cross that I'm not measuring myself. I'm not... Uh, I'm not making my opinions about myself. I'm not evaluating myself based on who I am in the flesh, but by who I am through my identification with Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and seating at the right hand of God. Redemption is a completed work. There's nothing else to complete. I can't be made more righteous in the sight of God than I already am in Christ Jesus. I can only grow in my revelation of the righteousness of God that he made me in Christ Jesus. Man. The body of Christ is just as righteous as Jesus is. But not all the body of Christ understands that. Why? Because how can we say that? Because Jesus is our righteousness. We have none of our own. The Old Testament tells us all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. You've got to come to the place where you understand that if you today could stop sinning and and do everything perfect, that you still could not produce the righteousness of God. Why the righteousness of God is absolute perfection. You already have blown it. <laughs> Listen, when we talk about righteousness, we're talking about the fact that if you were to produce the righteousness of God that would give you Uh, right standing with him and that would make you as you ought to be, you could never sin one time from the day you were born to the day you died. The very first time you ever sinned, you had just disqualified yourself, which is why God sent Jesus, because no man has ever qualified himself to be made righteous in the sight of God by his own actions. Man. Didn't God open your eyes to see this? Then how come we're always trying to improve upon that which God has perfected? Maybe we need to grow in our understanding of what Jesus has done for us. You know, we have to look into the revelation of the finished work of Jesus until we receive an understanding. We receive a revelation of it. You know, I shared with you. I still have it on here. Let me put this up again. This is a stereogram. At first glance, it just looks like an abstract picture of colors, geometric shapes. You can kind of see some images in it. But if you remember these, they used to call them magic eye pictures. You stand in front of it. You gaze at it long enough and in the correct way, there's a three-dimensional picture that begins to pop out to you. In fact, this one, if you look at it right, you'll see Jesus on the cross begin to come out in a three-dimensional view. That's why I picked this one. Because when you look at one of these, you can't just glance at it and see the mystery that the Creator hid within it. You have to gaze at it. And you have to cross your eyes in order to be able to see it. 
See, you're not just going to glance at the gospel and see the fullness of the revelation of what Jesus did for us. Man, it is beyond, it's beyond, you know, just natural understanding. The Holy Spirit has to give you revelation of the finished work of Jesus. It requires a gazing at. Not that it is intellectual and hard to understand, but that it's hidden. It was not hidden from us, it was hidden for us. You know, the Bible says that if the enemy had known what God was going to do through the crucifixion of Jesus, they never would have stirred up the Israelites to crucify him. Why, his death was their defeat. Oh, man. But you cannot just glance at this and see the revelation that's hidden within. That's why we encourage you to read the word. Because we want you to, to gaze at the message long enough that the Holy Spirit can take that message and begin to unveil the revelation that's hidden within. Oh, man. Hear me this morning. Hear me this morning. Let's, let's move on to verse 2, Galatians 3, 2. He says this. He says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Here he's talking about the initial born-again experience. Did you receive, those of you who are born-again in the house, did you receive the born-again experience because you were operating uh, in the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Yeah, yeah, you heard the message. You believed the message. And it caused you, the spirit of faith caused you to confess Jesus as Lord. And you were, you passed from death to life. God delivered you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son in an instant. Not by anything you had done. Simply by the hearing of faith. Hearing and believing what was being said. You were, you received the greatest miracle that ever happens in the life of any person. They pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. And that is all the work of God. You couldn't cause yourself to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. You simply heard the message and you embraced it with faith. That was it. So we accept that. But let's, let's look at uh, verse um, 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Drop down to verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and, it's a big and, supplies the Spirit's talking about being born again and works miracles among you. So here is the maintaining of your righteousness. Because we all accept, oh, I don't get born again by works of the law, just by hearing of faith. But when it comes to receiving a miracle, when it comes to partaking of everything that Jesus died for, suddenly we shift over and we think, well, I've got to be doing this and this and this and this. How do I? I can prove it to you. Because when you're not seeing what you're believing for, you start going, what am I not doing? What have I done or what am I, what am I not doing that I should be doing that's keeping me from partaking? And the very thought that you're thinking that is the exact reason why we're not seeing the manifestation. The devil's got us in his trap. 
He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law or hearing of faith? Hearing of faith. That's why we've been preaching on Wednesday nights about hear and be healed. Man, if you're not here on Wednesday night, you are missing the boat. I'm just telling you, if you're not here, you better be listening to it. Well, that sounded threatening. You should be listening to it online. (laughs) I'm just saying you're missing out. (laughs) Hear and be healed. That's all that's required. Man. You know, I I shared Wednesday night on that subject about... um, Acts chapter 14, where Paul was preaching at Lystra. And um, as he was preaching, it says there was a man there who was crippled from birth. He'd never walked. And as he's preaching, Paul perceives this man has faith to be healed. Let me ask you, where did he get it? From hearing. Was he doing the works of the law? No, he was a Gentile. He wasn't even a Jew. He, he wasn't doing any of the works of the law. He simply heard the gospel. He simply heard about the finished work of Jesus that not only did it provide us forgiveness of sin, but it provided us healing for our body, which are always coupled together in every scripture you look at. He was hearing what Paul was saying, and he had faith came to him. We don't produce faith. Faith is the result. It's what happens to us when we hear and we embrace the word of God as truth, regardless of what we see on the outside. Faith happened to that man. And Paul perceived that he had the faith to be healed. And Paul said, stand up on your feet. And that man stood up and he leaped and he walked and he was totally healed. By works of the law, was he doing everything right? Had he been reading the Bible? No. Had he been praying? No. What was he doing? He was hearing. He was hearing. It's not by works of the law. It's by hearing of faith. Pastor said on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago, he said, we don't need to rush into healing. We need to rush into hearing. In fact, I'll say this. We, if we would just consistently be hearing... Problem is, is, you know, let me think of how to say this. <laughs> oh, I'm going to give it to you. But I'm just trying to say it the right way. <laughs> you know, we, we wait till we're in dire need. Then we think, oh, now, I, now I'm going to start hearing. Where if we were just consistently hearing. And another reason why is when we do hear, because listen, what is the, uh, you can come and you can hear preaching here on Sundays and on Wednesdays. Listen, we're trying to make hearing available to you as much as we can. We got train TVs. We got stuff going on every night where you can come live. You can hear it Sunday. You can hear it Wednesday. We have Sunday night school. We're trying to provide you as many opportunities to hear as we possibly can. But you can hear the word of God any time you open your mouth and say it. In fact, you hearing you say the word of God carries more weight than any of us 
You know, when uh, in Acts 14, when I was talking about the man at Lystra, if you go a few verses back to verse 3, it says that God, that they were speaking out boldly and God was bearing witness, get this, to the word of his grace by granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. God bears witness to the word of his grace. Grace is what produces faith. It's the word of his grace. You can read the Bible and not read it with the revelation of grace. You can read it with a legalistic lens. You can read the Bible and read it with a legalistic lens rather than seeing it through the lens of the grace of God. What is the grace of God? It's what God provided for us through the finished work of Jesus without any participation of our own. Oh, man. So where, where did the people who were involved in legalism, where did they get it? They got it out of the word. But they had the wrong lens. <laughs> God bears witness to the word of his grace. Well, listen, let me say this. If he bore witness to that which wasn't the word of his grace, it would be participating in our deception. Mm, I don't think you got that. If God was to grant the bearing witness to a legalistic teaching, he would be participating in our deception. Man. Wow. He only bears witness to truth. Only to the word of his grace. Listen, when, he, when you're hearing the word of his grace, there is nothing... There is nothing that can't happen in our midst. I'm telling you, the days of the book of Acts are not over. Amen. Praise God. They're waiting for a people who will rise up in faith and take God at his word of his grace and believe. Oh, man. They're not over. They're just waiting for us to get our story in it. The book of Acts is an unfinished book as far as I'm concerned. We got our names in the book of life. How about we get it in the book of Acts? <laughs> book of Acts is just the prototype for what the church is supposed to look like. But we've had intellectual theologians interpret the Bible from a doctrinal pursuit of God rather than a relational pursuit of God. And they've told us that these things have passed away and they've used the scripture, twisted them in order to, to prop up their excuse for powerlessness. And we've all bought into it. Oh man, I'm just going to say this by the spirit of God. I, I sense this. And God is saying, if you'll change your perspective, that what you see, you'll see. 
If you can change what you see, you'll change what you see. If you can change what you see, you'll change what you see. Oh, my goodness. See, religion gets you focused on the outer man and trying to produce outward manifestations. But the Word of God works on the inner man. And he changes what we see with the eyes of our heart. And that's what changes what we see with the eyes in our head. Man. I don't have this in my, uh, I don't have this on here, but I'm going to go to Galatians 3.10. Drop down there. Let me show you why. Why we got to change this. I'm just going to kind of be repeating some things I've been talking about. But man, I told you I'm going to try to move past where I got. I'm trying to. But I feel like, you know what? I'm not going to get in a hurry. We We have come to these ways of thinking over long periods of time. It's not going to get purged out in 10 minutes. You know, he says in uh, verse 10, let me get it in the new King James. That's probably closer to what y'all are reading. He says this in verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Did you know that if you're trying to Produce your own righteousness, you're under the curse. What curse? The curse of the law. The curse of the law is that you get what you deserve. So if I'm relating to God by, on the basis of my performance of the law of God or some law that I've set up, then I put myself under the curse. You know why? And you know why that is? The curse is automatic to anyone who tries to relate to God by the law. It's automatic. Because listen, you've already failed. It says, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all. Oh, man. See, the law isn't portioned up in pieces. It's one law. But here's what people who are legalistic do is they pick the parts that they're going to observe. They don't observe all of it. (laughs) That's what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. He said, you heap these things on the people, you don't even keep them. See, if you're going to be made righteous on the basis of your performance, then you have to do everything all the time. Man, that's what it says. This is from Deuteronomy 27. It says that you have to keep all things written in the book of the law, not to just hear them, but to do them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a plate glass window. You can shoot a BB through it or you can drive a truck through it. It don't matter. Either way, it's got to be replaced. You've broken the thing. 
That's the way the law is. If you failed in one point, that's what it says in the book of James. If you keep the whole law and you fail in one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. Man. Listen to this. Let me say this because I had this thought. In the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, it says a curse doesn't come without a reason. You know what the reason was under the old covenant? Failing to keep all the law. You know what it is under the new? Trying to. Man, Lord have mercy. Under the old covenant, because that was the covenant God gave at that time, the curse came because of not keeping all of it. Under the new covenant, the curse comes when you try to. Man. Why? Because you've already broken it. Listen to this. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. That was prophesied in the Old Testament. That the way justified men would live and relate to God was not by performance. It was by faith in what God has declared. Look at this. Verse 12. Yet the law is not of faith. Man, that's a mind-blowing statement right there. The law is not of faith. You know what it is of? It is of self-effort. Look at this in the Passion Translation. Let me read this in the Passion Translation. In verse 11, it says, For the Scriptures reveal, and it is obvious, that no one achieves the righteousness of God by attempting to keep the law, for it's written, Those who've been made holy will live by faith. But verse 12, But keeping the law does not require faith, but self-effort. For the law teaches if you practice the principles of the law, you must follow all of them. The law was given to people who weren't born again. The law was given to people who were, who were not new creations in Christ Jesus. The law was just simply, if you do this, this is going to happen. It don't take the Holy Spirit to understand you get what you deserve. But it requires a revelation of the, from the Holy Spirit to understand grace, which is that you get what you don't deserve. Man, man, oh man, hallelujah. Look at uh, chapter five, verse one. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. I remember years ago, I would read that verse and I would interpret it this way. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of sin until I discovered the context of this whole book is legalism. And in fact, write this down because I don't have it. I'm not going there. I ain't got time. Acts chapter 15 when Paul and, the, and Barnabas came back from their missionary journeys and reported the fact that everywhere they went, preaching the pure grace of God in the gospel, Jewish 
believers followed them and came behind them and said, yeah, well, you're saved by uh, believing in Jesus, but now you got to get circumcised. Now you got to start keeping the law. Now you got to do these things to maintain your righteousness. And so they convened a council because Paul was being opposed every, every, where he went doing the work of God, someone else was coming behind him and messing it up. And you know what? James, or was it Peter, stood up and he said, we shouldn't burden the Gentiles with a yoke which we nor our fathers were able to bear. The yoke of bondage is the yoke of legalism. It's the yoke of trying to perform to make yourself righteous in the sight of God. Now I'm telling you, if you'll hear what I'm saying this morning... With your heart, with the ear of your heart, if you'll hear what I'm saying, this message can set you free. It can cause you to be healed. It can cause you to be delivered from addiction. It can cause you to be delivered from disorders. Why? Because you're already qualified. You've already qualified to be a partaker of the life and the nature, the divine nature of God, which is his very life, his very person invading your very being. You can be delivered and freed and healed from anything that the devil's put on you. If you'll just hear with your heart this morning, the words that I'm saying, they're not my words, but they're the words of God. If you will embrace them, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. It's hearing, hear and be healed this morning. said, well, I'm not worthy. Right. That's the point. That's a, I hope you get to that revelation, but move past it. Because even though you're not deserving, you're not disqualified in him. Don't be entangled again with the yoga bondage. What's he saying? Is he saying don't get entangled in sin anymore? That's not what he's saying. Don't get entangled in sin. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) Sin still produces death. What I'm telling you, though, is this says don't get entangled in the law again. Trying to perform and produce the righteousness of God. Just accept what Jesus has done. Allow what he has done to so... uh, to so overwhelm your heart that it changes the way you see. You know how I know I'm forgiven? Because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Is it because I feel forgiven? No. At times I do. At times the revelation of my forgiveness impacts me on an emotional level. When we were in worship earlier, I had tears coming out of my eyes because the revelation of the goodness of God was just so, but it wasn't, it was my emotions being moved by the revelation of the truth that was causing me to feel that way. I don't get up in the morning feeling forgiven, but I am. You know how I know I am? And when I don't, I can get myself there because all I got to do is turn my gaze upon the cross. 
All I got to do is fix my gaze on the finished work of Jesus. And you know how I know I'm forgiven? Because he's seated at the right hand of God, victorious over sin, victorious over death. You know how I know I'm healed? Because he's seated at the right hand of God. You know how I know I'm delivered? Because he's seated at the right hand of God. (laughs) You know how I know I am as I ought to be? Because he's seated. At the right hand of God, and I am seated there in him. That's all the revelation I need. It's because I know that that I know what John knew, which was as he is, so am I in this world. I'm going to get up here and say that. As he is, not as he was, as he is. So am I in this world. I said, not as he was, as he is, so am I. Seated at the right hand of God, victorious over sin, victorious over death, victorious over the devil, victorious over the kingdom of darkness, victorious over every disorder that's in this world, victorious. Man. That's how I know. See, I don't need a bunch of intellectual information. All the word is creating an understanding for me. That as he is, so am I. See, that sounds too simple. Simplest truths are often the most profound. The gospel is simple. Man, listen. God didn't try to make this thing difficult. In fact, he said, you've hidden it from the wise and revealed it to babes. You got to take the attitude of a child, which is whatever daddy says. Jesus came to reveal something to us that had never been revealed before about God. You know, they knew God as healer. They knew him as provider. They knew him as, you know, deliverer. They knew him uh, as their victory, their banner of victory. They knew all of the redemptive names of God. But something they didn't know about him that Jesus came to reveal was that he's father. No man ever called him father before Jesus. In fact, that was the thing that he was saying that got the Pharisees so mad they wanted to kill him. Because he was calling God his father. Man, that changes everything. He's my father. You know, and a lot of people say they take the part in there where it talks about that we were adopted and we have this Western idea of adoption to where you become a part of a family, but you don't really have their DNA. That's not the Jewish concept of adoption. The the Jewish concept of adoption was that a son who had your DNA was seated in his place of sonship. 
In the Jewish culture, when they got to a certain age of maturity, they had the DNA of the father. They're not being adopted into a family that they didn't share the DNA with. They were seated in their sonship. They were placed in their position of being able to operate. (laughs) They were placed in their position of being able to operate in the things that they were they were born to operate in their inheritance. And it was by way of a revelation of their, of their maturity and their inclusion in the family. Oh man. See, we have the DNA. When Jesus said, my father and your father, that wasn't just poetic language. For if you've been born again, you've been born of God. And you have the spiritual DNA of God. Mm. Mm. Your DNA changed. Oh my goodness. Your DNA changed. We're not adopted into a family. We don't have the DNA of our father. We have the DNA of our father. We just get to move into operating in it when we get the revelation. That's what maturity is, is knowing who you are and knowing what belongs to you because of whose you are. See, everything of God that we partake of, we partake of it not by earning it, but by inheritance. And I've been saying this the last few times I've gotten up here, but you don't get your inheritance when you die. See, that's what religion tells you. Well, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. You get your inheritance. Oh, well, won't it be wonderful there? Well, we'll be. Listen, I'm not diminishing that, but I'm saying you get your inheritance when the person who left it for you dies. When Jesus died on the cross and was raised again and seated at the right hand of God, the inheritance of the saints was made available to those who would rise to a level of revelation in maturity that they could partake of it. The devil wants to keep us babes. And we've got a religious idea of what that means. Oh, man. I don't have this in my notes either. I'm off the clipboard, but let's just look at Hebrews chapter 5. This is... Hebrews chapter 5. Do you know what the book of Hebrews is about? It's about causing the Hebrew believers and those who had not yet embraced Christ to transition from an old covenant mindset to the new. That's what the whole book of Hebrews is about. And in verse, in chapter 5, let me just set this up. He's trying to teach them about Jesus Christ being a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Is Is this too much for Sunday morning? I didn't mean to go here. Jesus was a priest of a different order than the priests under the old covenant. And what that reveals 
is that for that to happen, the whole law had to be changed. It had to be done away with and a brand new covenant put into place. And what is simply, what does it mean for Jesus to be a priest of Melchizedek? It means the basis for righteousness has changed. It's no longer by the law, but it's by him being our representative at the right hand of God. The whole basis for our right stand, our righteousness before God has changed. It's no longer by our performance. It's by the way of the promise, which was Jesus. And maturity, oh man, maturity isn't you acting right. Let me just say that. You acting right is the result of maturity. Maturity isn't outward, it's inward. It's only outwardly seen by other people. But it happens in you before it happens on the outside of you. And that's what he's talking about here in chapter 5 where he says, verse 12, here's what, they, they were falling back into legalism. And he tells them, by this time you ought to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk, not solid food. And listen to this. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, just means maturity, that is they, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised, to discern both good and evil. Let me tell you something. Oh, goodness. Let me read this in the Passion. Let me just do that. And this is good. This is going to be good. Hang on. I'm going to read verse 13 uh, and 14 in the Passion. Listen to this. Every spiritual infant who lives on milk, it says unskilled here. That, the way some of these translations are, it has a bent toward legalism. Listen, the inspired scriptures are not written in English. These are translations. And a person's particular bias influences the words that they choose in English. It says unskilled. It makes it sound like it's talking about doing something. But listen to this. Every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. Man. Get this. Not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. You know how maturity comes? By being pierced with the revelation 
of your righteousness. Pierced in the ear of your heart. You know, you have spirit, you have eyes and ears in your inner man. You can, that's why Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, oh man. He said, be careful how you hear. You can hear and hear wrong. Those who are still immature have not yet been pierced in the ear of their heart by the revelation of righteousness. You know, there's in the Old Testament, there is a, there's a place where they talk about, well, God gave them instruction on slaves. You know, a Hebrew slave couldn't be kept over seven years. At the end of seven years, he had to be released. He had to be set free. They couldn't be kept for longer than seven years. But at the end of the seven years, when they were to be released, that slave, it says this in the scripture, if he loves his master, then he can choose to stay. You have to know you're free before you can choose to stay. Mm-mm-mm. You know what they would do? If that slave said, I love my master because that slave, that master has been so good to him. Even as a slave, that master has been good to him and shown him love and, and everything. And so he loved his master. He wasn't serving. He, he wasn't going to serve him out of obligation, but out of a revelation of the love of that master. This is all, this is all types of, of our relationship to God. You know what it said to do? It said to take that slave to the doorpost. And pierce his ear. Mm. Pierce his ear. Yeah, pierce the ear, this ear, but it's actually talking about that when we have a revelation of God's love for us through what he showed us on the cross, then the cross reveals that we're free. Stand fast in the liberty. Salvation is a free gift. Discipleship is an opportunity. (laughs) When you have a true revelation of the love of God and you see the cross for what it truly is, you know you have a choice. You're free. But out of love for the master, you can choose to become a slave. Oh, (laughs) you can't choose to be a slave till you know you're free. That's why Paul said, I'm a bond servant for Christ. No, he wasn't obligated. Out of a revelation of the love of God, he said, the love of Christ compels me. It's out of a revelation of the love of God that the love of God, that the love for God comes alive in your heart and you choose to become a slave of Christ and he pierces the ear of your heart. Oh my goodness. 
Man, oh man. We got to allow the revelation of the righteousness of God to pierce the ear of our heart. And then, and only then, can we start serving God from the right place. Hallelujah. I'm running out of time. I believe this is this is pivotal, man. Our service has to come out of a revelation of our righteousness and love for God because of a revelation of his love for us. Too many people have been trying to serve God by the taskmaster of the law and fear that if they don't do everything that they're supposed to do, that God's going to let them go down. I'm here to tell you uh, that he would have to let down Jesus to let you down. Mm. Only then, only once you've been pierced in the heart, the ear of your heart by the revelation of righteousness, can you become, you can, come, you can be a slave to the law, but you can't be a bond servant of Christ until you know you're free. <laughs> oh man, religion hates this. You know Why? Because there's no revelation of grace. You know why religious teaching is so afraid of this? Well, if you tell people they're free, they're not going to do what they're supposed to do. What keeps us walking in fellowship and union with God? The Holy Spirit. Love. The law of love. The law of love, not, not the law of Moses, the law of love inspires our hearts. And we'll go way further. You'll go way further being motivated by love than you ever would by law. See, law is based on fear. If you don't do this, you're going to get judgment. And it's motivated by fear. And here's the thing. Religion loves law because you get quick results. People will get in line real quick. But as soon as they feel they're outside of the eye of, then they lose all restraint. It's kind of like working for a boss who's just a taskmaster. You're going to work real hard when they're around. But when they're gone, you know, it's, it's slacking time. And when you think they're coming back around, you might do some stuff real quick, try and make it look like you were working. But listen, if you have a boss that shows, that shows you love, cares about you, that you love them, you'll work harder for them when, even when they're not around. Why? Because you've taken ownership out of, a, out of a motivation of love for that person. You'll do more and be more faithful, more committed, motivated by love than you ever would Motivated by fear. 
What is the revelation of the cross? Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, on the other side of the cross, everything is available. This is a doorway into, this is a doorway into the kingdom of God. You come through the cross and the riches of the inheritance of the kingdom of God are all yours. And you'll partake of them to the level of your mature understanding of the finished work of Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you this morning, hallelujah, hallelujah, Father, we praise you today. Oh, we give you glory. You're so worthy. You are so worthy. Jesus, Jesus, you're so worthy. You are so worthy, Jesus. Oh, we thank you for your precious blood, your precious life that you poured out for us. Oh, that you might redeem us, that you have redeemed us and made us righteous. And that those who have received of your grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign in life by you, Jesus Christ. Oh, that there is no thing, there is no death that the enemy might try to bring to our life, that we don't have dominion over in the name of Jesus. Every sickness, every disease, every disorder, every fear, anxiety, every frustration, it bows to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, just stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you for your goodness, Father God. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that you confirm your word with signs and wonders. That you confirm the word of your grace this morning with signs and wonders. I want to say you are qualified this morning to be a partaker of the grace of God. Whatever you're facing in your life this morning, I'm telling you, God has already provided and permitted you to partake of it in the name of Jesus. There's nothing you need to get in order. You just need to get your thinking in order. You need to get your heart in order to be able to see, to hear and be healed, to see and perceive what already belongs to you. And then declare out of your mouth what it is that you need. Declare out of your mouth I am healed. Declare out of your mouth I am strong. Declare out of your mouth I am righteous. Declare out of your mouth I am redeemed. Declare out of your mouth, I am delivered. Declare out of your mouth that which you want to see. Oh, hallelujah. Quit talking about your problem and start talking about the answer. Start declaring as God does the thing that he wants to see. Oh, he calls those things that are not as though they were. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm free. I'm righteous.
I'm healthy. I'm delivered. I have joy. I have peace. I'm not in a deficit. I have more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a son of almighty God. I'm a representative of heaven. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Yes. The spirit of faith says, I believed in my heart. Therefore, I spoke. What do you believe in your heart this morning based on what we've been talking about? What do you believe? The devil might be trying to convince you of something else. What do you believe? Begin to speak that out of your mouth. Mm, thank you, Lord. I want to share this from Wednesday night. Rebecca was telling me that she had a, it's kind of when we were doing like this part, you know, we were worshiping the Lord at the end. And she said she saw like these, these blocks of letters that might say, um, that might say a name of a disease. And then she would see these different names popping up, like these blocks arranged, spelling some disease. And she said she saw them all break apart and then come back together again, and they spelled Jesus. Oh. Oh. Hey. Oh, what do you see? What's your name? Paul said, you are Christ. This body is Christ. What do you see? Do you see who, do you see the physical part of you? Do you see the spiritual reality of who you are? Oh, hey, is Christ sick? Oh, man. Well, he's the head. We're the body. Oh, my goodness. Could it be that we haven't been seeing things correctly? I'm telling you, oh my goodness. The devil is a liar. I'm going to say that. Whatever you're thinking that's contrary to what the word of God says about you is a lie. Just go ahead and write it down. It's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. Oh, man, you say, well, I can prove it. There's evidence in the physical. I don't care. It's still a lie. That can change. That's a temporal truth. There may be something physical that you could put your finger on, but that's a temporal truth, and it's subject to the reality 
of what the word of God declares. If you would just see, God doesn't need to move. God doesn't need to move. We need to move out of a place of unbelief and into the place of faith where we believe spiritual realities over any physical evidence that we might see and that we take the authority and the dominion that we've been given in the name of Jesus and we make that thing change. We declare it in the name of Jesus and we make that change. We make it submit to the truth of the word of God. We make it bow in obedience. We declare that sickness dissipate like that vision Rebecca said and we declare we are Christ and there is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no disorder. There is no condemnation to Christ. Ho, ho, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm just trying to get you to a place. Trying to get you to a place. Mm, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Can you hear and be healed? Absolutely. It's the only way. It's the only way. It's already yours. Mm, Hallelujah. Glory, glory. I remember talking to Marvin Yoder when he was here. And he was talking about ministering healing to people in the healing lines. And he told me, because I noticed he, he didn't get in a hurry. You know? It's like Pastor said, we try to rush into healing. No, we got to rush into hearing. I remember he was telling me, I was asking him questions about the way he operates, you know? He doesn't just suddenly lay his hand on people as soon as they walk up. No, 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 no. Because God's already provided it, it's not something we have to get God, uh, you know, in the mood to do. You know, people think that. Like we got to, you know, get him inclined to do something. Listen, he was motivated before the foundation of the world. But Marvin Yoder told me, he said, what I do is I minister to that person to get them to a place where they're able to receive. Not trying to get God motivated to do. He's already done it. I try to get people to a place of faith where they're able to receive. Oh my goodness. And listen, if you're a child of God here this morning, healing isn't out there somewhere in a galaxy far, far away. Let there be light. (laughs) That's prophetic. I'm just going to say that's prophetic. Somebody's lights coming on. Somebody's light just came on. Hallelujah. That's happening in somebody's heart. Lights coming on. Hallelujah. About the stage. About the stage. Okay. We got a microphone. He's got a word. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God was revealing, God was revealing something to me about the stage. So, you got three points. You got God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus the Son. It's all three of the triangles. They all point to the center. Christ is the center of all the gifts and everything. All ministries, everything. Christ is the center. Teachers, pastors, prophets, apostles, and evangelists. They go out. But you notice how Christ is still the center. And as they go out, they keep getting bigger until eventually, I mean, you can't even, you run out of room. (laughs) This whole series of cross-eyed is a reset for the church. It's happening all across the United States and all over the world because it's the end times. God's coming. So this is, he's telling you, these ministries, they're going to start happening in the church. Now's the time. And if you notice, on accident, one of the lights are missing. If you count all those lights, there's 23 lights all together. Well, it's 2023, so it's time to reset. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hey, we're not in a hurry, Lord. Mm-hmm. It's funny, when he was saying that, what I was seeing was I was seeing a jail cell. And I was seeing that many of us are in jail cells, but I was seeing that the door was open. Mm-hmm. So I hear the Lord say today, walk out of the cell. Ooh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the Spirit of God would say today the doors open. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. See the Bosoto Rebekeste. Hallelujah. What he just said, that literally God told me that's what was happening. You got a mic? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Um, it's been some months back, but God had told me to my heart exactly the words that you just said. God spoke to my heart that I would be going in a prison. I would be going in a prison, but I believe that exactly what you said is, is being done. And as I just bear witness, I bear witness that I didn't know I was in prison and we're being led out of our prisons. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's Jubilee time. It's Jubilee time. It's the time for all those who've been slaves to be released and to enter into their inheritance. It's Jubilee time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just sense this is the word of the Lord. That God is equipping us and aligning us with his plans, purposes, and that we should pursue them with a greater passion than ever before. Because time is short. You know, over the last six years, you know, we have seen some incredible things. Karen and I have seen the Lord just do some incredible, incredible things. But in the midst of much adversity... And in much opposition. Don't get tired on me right now. You know, we've seen family issues. We've, we've seen physical issues. We've seen, you know, financial situations. We went through a flood. We went through a medical emergency. We went through, you know, situations within the church and within our own personal lives. And, um, you know, it was a process. It was a, a journey of healing and restoration. And I'm grateful to the Lord. And many of you are on journeys, journeys of healing, journeys of restoration. But the Lord gave me a scripture that I have stood on. And I believe it's a scripture for everyone in this house. Because I believe it is a scripture as our young prophet gave forth, you know, this wonderful diagram of the Lord. I believe it, it, it meshes with it and is something that we can grab a hold of. But I remember I was going into um, a hospital visit that I was just, just so overwhelmed about. And, uh, you know, Karen can tell you that, you know, it was just, uh, it was just so filled with fear as to what they would say about me, as if that mattered. But to me, you know, I wasn't in the place where I needed to be. And the Lord spoke to me that morning. And he gave me Exodus fourteen thirteen. And now listen to this. This is for you. Because I believe what happens at the top flows down to the bottom. He says, don't be afraid. That's a key. We could just meditate on that. Get the victory on that. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. 
and watch what the Lord will do for you. Now that, that's not even the good part. He says, and watch what the Lord will do for you today. Today. Notice that. Today. He says, for the Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Woo! But it doesn't stop there. He says, For the Lord will fight for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's what he did on the cross. Jesus was never more victorious than hanging on that cross. But you need only to be silent. And that's what God is doing in 2023. That's what God is doing in 2023. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Some of you get, need to be loosened up a little bit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You got to see it in here before you'll ever see it out here. That's the reason why you praise before you see the answer. That's the reason why you give thanks before it comes in. That's the reason why you dance when there ain't no music playing. Hallelujah. That's the reason why you celebrate when everything's against you. That's the reason why you can look up and know that your redemption is drawing nigh. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. And see what the Lord will do for you today. For the Egyptians, what do the Egyptians, what are the Egyptians? It isn't physical people, not for us. It's the demonic realm, the strategies, the plans, the purposes that they have for you. Because guess what Pharaoh was coming to do? He was coming to drag them back down and start making brick again. Start getting them back into that yoke of bondage. He said, but those Egyptians that you see today, you will never see them again. Now listen, guys. Historically, they did see them again. But you want to know why? Because of disobedience. 
But as far as God's concerned, his victory means that anything that is assailed against you, sickness, disease, poverty, you'll never see again. Why? Because the Lord will fight for you. The cross was God fighting for you. And we need only to be silent. Sometimes we need to stop talking the problem. Stop talking about our mountain and start speaking to the mountain. Amen? Hallelujah. God is so good and rich here today. Amen? If you need prayer, praise God. We've got counselors. They're going to come up right here. They're altar workers. They're going to come right up here, and they're going to be here to pray with you. If you need breakthrough in your life, if you feel the hint of victory, there's just a, there's just a spirit of victory that's going on right now. I remember I was talking to Caleb in my office, and, uh, you know, I was praying about some serious things about my, my life. And uh, going through some serious stuff as I was talking to him. And then all of a sudden, this, this, this spirit of victory started coming on me. How many know what I'm talking about? And I, you know, I, I was with Caleb, and I didn't want to embarrass him. But it was all I could possibly do was just to shout. Did I feel like shouting? No. Did what I was going through make me want to shout? No. But I'm telling you, there's a spirit of victory right now in this house. And see, you've got to learn to participate. Church is a participation sport. You're as just a little people complain. Well, I don't want to go to that church because, you know, they just, I just don't feel it. I just, you're not bringing anything in. You're just as much a part of the atmosphere in this house than I am or Kevin is or anybody that's up here. We work together. Well, I'm just not getting much. Well, you ain't participating then. Hello? It's your sorry self. Amen? This is a participation. Well, see, guess what? If the spirit of victory is in this house, then you've got to do one of two things. You've got to believe it, first off, but then you've got to participate in it. Now, true believers participate. People that just hear but don't necessarily believe, they don't participate. So if the spirit of victory is in this house, and I know there are people with business problems, financial problems, physical problems, Relational problems. We've all got problems. But the spirit of victory's here. No, I don't think you're getting a hold of this. 
because none of you are doing what the Spirit of the Lord is asking you to do in your heart. If the Spirit of victory is here, then we've got to participate. Now look. Yeah, there you go. Some of you are getting it. About five of you. I'm, not, I'm telling you, it's, it, it's here. It's here. It's all over. It's all over. <clears throat> because of the virtue of the new creation spirit that's on the inside of you, you're a channeler. You're a receiver of heaven, but you're also a channeler of heaven. So you have to open yourself up and get out of the high resistance mode. Because what's high resistance? High resistance is wood. It doesn't conduct power, does it? Tires, you're plastic. Don't be out there being rubber. You need to be that fine gold, that fine silver. These are conductors of natural power, electricity, but we need to be spiritual conductors. There is a river that makes glad the city of God that comes from the throne of heaven. And praise God, when you got born again, just as Jesus told the woman who was from Samaria, he said, the water that I will give will spring up in him or her river. Praise God, a well of living water. Now, if the spirit of victory, come on, take a run. Spirit of victory. It's on the inside. Then we have to praise God. Channel it forth. Amen? So I'm telling you right now, the atmosphere is miracle rich. So I want you to envision that breakthrough. I want you to envision that healing. I want you to envision that total absolute restoration One of the words and images the Lord gave me was that Karen and I would cry for joy. See, you got to see yourself. You got to see yourself running. You got to see yourself moving. You got to see yourself doing what you have been unable to do. All right? And then you see that image in your mind. You see yourself with that one. Kirby. You see yourself restored and brought back to full position again. Barney. You see yourself totally restored. And seeing that, praise God, that million dollar year. You see yourself business prospering. 
you see yourself, and when you get a hold of that image, I want you to shout with the voice of triumph because the spirit of victory is in this house. It's in this house. It's in you. Come on now. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Do you see it? I said, do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Glory to God. I was just sitting there talking to Caleb. And all of a sudden the spirit of victory came on me. And I kept it down. But this is what I was seeing. Woo! <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Go ahead, my brother. Hallelujah. We need the band, the entire band, Matthew, Clayton, all of y'all. Thank you, Lord. All the band. The church has gotten the power back. It's time to sing about it. Glory, 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 glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, hallelujah, glory, glory.
Glory to God. to God. Praise the Lord. Well, when it comes to these types of services, we close them, but we don't close them. I believe, you know, there's people that need prayer, people that need, you know, these people are up here to minister to you. Then, of course, you know, we're, we're just maintaining that. This is better than anything in Steering's menu. I mean, I'd rather have this than a steak. And if that's a problem for you, then you need to, you need to get a spiritual appetite. Hallelujah. I just, I just sense some people been in some strong seasons over here, over here. Long seasons. Long. I mean long. I mean long that you forgot when it started. And I just see the trumpet of Jubilee. I hear the trumpet of Jubilee, which is the cross, coming alive, coming alive, setting the captive free, restoring. I I tell you what, Randy and Penny, I see a house. It's a beautiful two-story house. I see it, it has a minimum of six rooms in it. Six bedrooms. Not to count living area and you know, all that stuff. I see it. It's in a beautiful piece of property. And I see you guys raising your family in it. Raising your family in it. Multiple generations in it. I see it. I know you've been waiting a long time. But I'm telling you, the Lord is on you. The Lord is on you. His hand is on you. He wants me to tell you, He's seen your tears. He's seen your pain. He's seen the adversity that you've had to go through. He says, you put your trust in me, and those that put their trust in me will never be put to shame. And I hear Him saying by the Spirit of God, that those seasons that the canker worm and the palmer worm and the locust have stolen from you, He said, I will restore back. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
I sense this right now by the Spirit of the Lord. He that has ears, let him hear. She that has ears, let him hear. Many of you are going to be receiving your children as those that have come back from the dead. They've been messing around in the world. They've been messing around with the philosophies of this age. They've been partying it up, living licentiously. But I'm here to tell you, parents, right now, in the name of Jesus. And I tell you, I sense that that trumpet of Jubilee beginning to spread over here, over there, over here. If you've got ears to hear, hear it. Hear it. Hear it now. Those kids are going to say, Mama, I don't know what I was thinking. They're going to say, Daddy, I repent and apologize. I'm coming back to the Lord. I'm never going to not serve Him. I'm going to fulfill my call. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Come on now, somebody. Celebrate in this house. Celebrate. Celebrate. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sir, right there in the gray hat. Hallelujah. Sir, right there in the gray hat. In the sweatshirt, right there. Ma'am, right there. Straight ahead, right there with the gray hat. Help me there. You in the back, right here. Right there, sir. No, right there. Right there. Yeah, you're looking around at you. Right, right there. Right there. Hallelujah. As I was up here and I, as I'm looking out on you, there's a spotlight down on you right now. I don't know your name, but here's what the Lord told me. He said, there's a new season coming on you right now. <laughs> a new season. You've been coming through a wilderness time, but God said, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a new season. And in this new season, it's going to require some things from you. But even as you're lifting your hands, I'm seeing things falling off of you. And I'm just declaring in Jesus' name that there's a new season over you. So I'm encouraging you to step into that new season in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. New season. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you still hearing it? I don't think you're hearing it. I don't think you're hearing it. I mean, if someone was in slavery, someone had lost their home, lost their land, lost everything that they had, and was in servitude... And that trumpet blew from the Temple Mount. I'm telling you, they would pack their bags, they'd get themselves together, and they'd get back. Well, Jesus, when he, you know, just as Pastor Kevin read that scripture just a few moments ago, in Luke, the fourth chapter, he was sounding the Jubilee trumpet, is what he was sounding. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me. Praise God. He says to bring about the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is when you're brought back to your right place. Amen. Come on now. You got to participate. You can't just sit there. Hallelujah. If God is doing something on the inside, begin to manifest it on the outside. Either through a praise, through a dance, through a run. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. I tell you, healing is shooting through this house. I just see it like electricity just coming all through here. I see it. Praise God, you got to conduct it. You got to conduct it. You got to conduct it. I know. Hey, Sam. Sam, I know. Right now. Conduct that stuff right now in the name of Jesus. Let it go through you. Let it go through you. Hello? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Can I say something? Hallelujah. Uh, There's a man in the Bible by the name of Bartimaeus who was blind. And he heard about Jesus coming through. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. You, oh, have mercy upon me. You need to stand up. You need to uncross your arms. And you need to, you need to say, Lord, have mercy upon me. Mercy. Come on, come on, right, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Hallelujah. Take what is yours right now. You need something, you take it. You don't sit there. You don't avoid it. You don't leave this place until you get what God wants to give you. Do not be stubborn, but take what is yours. Take it. Jesus, thou son of God, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. I need help. You need help. Get it today. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. God is good. And His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, let's go out with a praise. Can we can we sing one of those songs, Clayton? Can we do, do 
Now, you can, you can go on, go pick up your kids, whatever you need to do. But if you want to be saturated in the presence of the Lord, you're welcome to. There are ministers here that will pray with you. Praise God. If you need something broken off in your life, you don't need to walk out the same way you came in. So we're going to worship the Lord, but you're dismissed in Jesus' name. God has got good things for you. Amen. Hallelujah.